0: Welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and today I'm joined by Alicia Moran, and we are going to discuss themes such as freelance, art, marketing, and a bit more, including her time in Vietnam and her background in, I believe, the States. Alicia, welcome. How are you?
1: Hello. Um, I'm great. I'm excited to be here, excited to be on a podcast. Is this your first ever Yeah, yeah. So, you know, silly life. Thingy for me, <laughs> nice, yeah, yeah, take it off the uh, sure,
0: not bucket list, but you know what I mean, like yeah, things you've not yeah, done yet. Sure, I'm sure there is a term, it's
1: like a bingo know. card, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah.
0: Move abroad, tick, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> go to podcast, tick. Before we go on to moving abroad and whatever else is on your bingo card, <laughs> can you tell me about your background? Is it Oregon? Is that where you're from?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm from uh, a suburb of Portland, Oregon, a little town called Gresham, but. I spent, you know, 10 years of my adult life in Portland, Oregon and that's home for me. Mm. Uh, that's where I'll be flying to as soon as I get, can get out of the country in a few months. Right, okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that's, Portland's a really great place, I enjoy being from there, my family's still there.
0: How would you describe it? Because I'm, I'm sure I've interviewed someone else from Portland, Oregon.
1: Portland is a really good place if you like being outside, if you like nature. Um, the, the joke or the thing that anybody says about Portland is you can drive two and a half hours and be in any sort of climate or terrain. So the desert, the mountain, the beach, you know, snow, lakes, whatever. Um, yeah, and it's just a really good city for art and food and, um, you know, music and dancing. And, yeah, it's a really great place. It's, it's a, you know, food truck uh, mecca, if you will. And uh, there's always something happening.
0: Right, you know? okay. Yeah. And what did you, did you do any like studying as you were growing up in terms of university? Yeah,
1: yeah. I went to school in, at Portland State University. I got my degree in graphic design and marketing and advertising and enjoyed that a ton. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really good place to go to school for that.
0: Yeah, the reason why I just brought it back to the studying is because I wanted to, basically say to you Alicia tell me about what you do Mm. now there's a link because you did that university your graphic design and your advertising and marketing tell me why you wanted to start in those projects
1: yeah I always knew that I wanted to that I wanted to do something creative it really the thing I can trace it back to is um, I had a computer class when I was in middle school maybe and one of the it, they let us try a lot of different topics, and then they they talked about this thing called graphic design, and I realized you can do art on the computer and get paid for it. Um, I think even then I realized that being an, a painter or a um, you know a, somebody who draws or a sculptor or something didn't doesn't really pay a lot. So I realized that you could do art on the computer, and then it was like a job, and I I went cool. That's the thing that I'll I'll try, and I love then that. that's. Yeah, you know, whatever, four years later, four and a half years later, I was enrolled in college for that.
0: I love the fact you have mentioned that. Have you heard of the book Ikigai?
1: No, I mean, it sounds familiar, but no. Sure,
0: I'll just give you the brief overview. Mm. There are four things to live a happy, balanced life. Basically, that's the overview. It is, you know, to find a passion. It is something you're good at, something Mm. that provides value, something you enjoy doing, and something you can get paid for. Mm. And I've often thought, with my own journey and people I get interviewed... The financial part of it and the enjoyment creativity they don't always intertwine like you did mention artists and every artist who comes on the show says the same thing
1: <laughs> it's hard
0: to get paid so I love the fact that you took that initiative and thought I could combine the two you know I can go from kind of this artistic sense bring it into design for a computer and make it
1: a yeah job. yeah well it the way it was being presented to me maybe is that this was like a potential career this is something that people did as a job and As a, whatever it was, you know, 14, 15 year old, I was like, that's cool. (laughs) Let's give that a go. And then that just kind of morphed. Yeah. 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 I don't don't do, well, now I guess I am doing it again. I'm currently doing some freelance jobs and I, so I do that around town still.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm going to dive more into the creative side, the artistic mm. side. But can you tell me more about like, the advertising, the marketing? Like, what exactly is that for someone who is completely unfamiliar?
1: Sure. Um, I, I'll talk about it in the way of what why I found it interesting. Um, I my initial thoughts about advertising and marketing are like, Ugh, the devil. Like you know, like. Uh, it's not a really noble (laughs) sort of thing to go down but then I then I realized kind of more what it was and I realized that it was it's all psychology and so it's about um, thinking through the puzzle of how to get maybe this doesn't debunk the evil part but it's about thinking through the puzzle of how to get people to see your point of view or catch on to the thing you're trying to highlight or make them think something that you want them to think and when I realized that that's what marketing was it became really interesting to me um, and then of course the advertising side was I could still use that to do art I could still be in a creative role even if it was working for some whatever you know fill in the blank company Right. I, see. Uh, <laughs> I
0: like the fact you mentioned that yeah. about the marketing and the psychology because yeah. I'm the same if you said to me a few years ago, advertising, marketing, my, my brain just goes blank, I just yeah, boring. Yeah. But now that you've mentioned the psychology and since I've read books on it and yeah. you know it's made sense of like why people choose red because it's more appealing, etc. Mm. I think, God, you know, look, this is actually going back to human relations. Like human relations seem to be at the core of almost everything.
1: Mm, yeah, well it's it, the number one part of marketing is communication and communication includes all things of visual communication, auditory communication, um, body language, tone, like everything, you know, it's just things that you don't think are part of communication. The, yeah. the lighting in the room, <laughs> in the in the frame, you know, if you will.
0: Yeah, it's a good analogy after what we've done just here, yeah. you know, for preparation for the future. Yeah. It's also, it a, a took it also touches upon a concept i've been looking at recently to do with empathy mm. where is seeing something from someone else's point of view mm. and advertising and marketing really seem to strike that chord as well that
1: is the that's what they're trying to do i mean the so advertising and marketing i mean you can you can break you can break it up one is more like you know for profit and one is the like art or science of how to do it <laughs> but uh uh Oh, oh, where was I going with that? One is the arts. One was the arts. Mm. One was the
0: science. So you can mm. break, it up, break it down. Yeah. I, I oh, oh but
1: the part, Yeah, the part that people don't see, the part that, that they don't know about is, or it isn't the sexy part, is that it's mostly research. Like, the 75% of roles in advertising in advertising industry and the marketing industry, I think as a whole, you know, like the grand majority, I don't know what the number is, is research. And then there's a few people that do creative, and then there's people who test that stuff out. But it's research. And so it's all, it's the science of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I was recommended the book, Influence, by Robert. His surname begins with a C. Mm. And I thought it would be quite an interesting look into it. But instead it was case study after case study after case study. And it hit me, yeah, this job really is just research. A lot of research into what people want like a lot to really mm. get the fine details correct and mm. then putting it out there.
1: And I mean, that's something that I kind of learned along the way, right? I, I mentioned that the reason I kind of even went down that path was I thought there was a way, it is a way to co- combine a creative role and hopefully some more cash, right? But when I realized that even if, even if you are in a creative position in that sort of field, you are in a tiny little box, you know, producing something for that fulfills a bunch of research that people put time into, and a lot of the time, a lot of money you know,
0: yeah. into. Yeah, and <laughs> as this conversation progresses, I do want to talk about how that intertwines with your art, but yeah. to do that, I would like you to tell me a bit more about your artistic practices specifically. Can you go into more detail?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I think first and foremost, I'd have to say that I, um, my medium is words, I think I still stutter a little bit when I say that I'm a poet, but I am. Uh, so I write and perform poetry, and I have the biggest passion for it. Um, I also paint and draw, and then have you know done digital arts for forever. Um, but mostly, mostly writing. So um, I've been writing forever, and I did some performances back uh, in Portland. Just a few little things, but um, uh, doing it here now again in Saigon and really excited about it.
0: Right. Okay. I've not actually heard of any spoken poetry here. I've seen arts, I've seen music and sport, but not spoken poetry.
1: Mm, Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's been, there's a void definitely with, you know, the fact that many of our comrades have flown recently um, there's a void and there's a, not a lot of events happening. There was some events that would combine, um, music and poetry and, um, usually they would just be the two together and there'd be a few around town. There is, you know, some writing groups and communities and stuff that would do it, but there needs to be more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: there needs to be more. And on that topic, um, there is another, there's going to be another one that's going to be a na- uh, show and tell number two. Um, on February twenty-six, Saturday night at seven p.m., and it's going to be a um, it's an originals only art recital. So we'll have a lineup of performers as well as art visual arts on display. So the space will be hung like a gallery. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I saw that actually. Soma Saigon. At Soma, yeah. If yep. I'm in the city at that weekend, so you can expect me to pop in. And I'm excited to hear more about that specifically. So you said that's the second one.
1: What was mm. the first one? The first one happened on December 4th, I believe. Um, it was at Soma, uh, just like this one. And it was, if I do say so myself, a smash success. <laughs> it was a really packed out night and it was the same same sort of format. It was uh, We had a lineup, a set lineup of performers, um, music, poetry, um, capoeira. Uh, kind of demonstration, performance, history sort of thing, um, some comedy uh, and I th- and that was kind of all the categories and so there's a few of that. We had seven seven performers, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, and we had maybe eight or nine visual artists that had uh, ceramics work and paint and some drawings, uh, it, was, it was really good. So Soma asked me back to do it again and we're going to do it again. In two Saturdays, February twenty-six, seven p.m. Awesome,
0: and you—it was your idea to do the first one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is my event. I've—I'm the organizer. This is my brainchild. It's something I actually thought of um, and had planned before the lockdowns. Um, and so it was going to happen originally in May. Um, and then you know everybody got locked up and then we tried again and it finally happened in December and it was better than I could have expected so the the idea of it is that it's a it's a little bit it's a nicer than an open mic and it's a nice it's a night for people to go and show off what they make so um, we give them a captive kind of quiet audience that understands that this is performances that they get to come watch these are special um, little snippets and then, you know, and then they can go off and have their chat mm. later. Um, but it's it's been really wonderful, and I'm so excited. I'll be performing some poetry um, again, and I'm so excited to perform again and incorporating some music this time, so doing some new stuff. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. It's, it's going to be really cool. I, this is the sort of thing where um, we try. I try to use it as a thing to inspire the performers to do something new, to make something new, as like, you know, there's a goal or a target to, like, show off this new thing you made.
0: Yeah, I love the variety. Like, we mentioned the comedy, the spoken word, etc. Mm. And it made me think of the, I think, the attitudes towards the arts that if they're not already changing, they should. For example, two years ago, we know what happened, this worldwide pandemic. And then I think everyone really was struck at how much they appreciate the arts you know when you can't go to the theater mm, or mm, can't mm. go to a sporting event or you can't and the only thing you can do is watch netflix if you take all that away you're screwed you know mm. And it, before that i feel like it was often scoffed at like oh you're studying theater or art. what What will get a real job you know what i mean and now people are starting to think ah okay okay we need this art you know no, what i mean
1: it's essential it's absolutely vital and that's, um, when I said that there was a void earlier, I really meant it. I think that people want to go listen to live music and live performance and people, you know, practicing joy and creation and play. Oh. <laughs> so this is a celebration of that.
0: And we mentioned the something new aspect where you'd encourage people to do something new. Yeah. Why specifically say something new rather than their preferred spoken poetry or comedy? Like, Why do you think the novelty is important?
1: Um, well, the first thing is that it's, it's original, right? So you had to have done it yourself. The other nights are for covers, not this night. Um, and if you've done something new and you've performed it a couple months ago at a different show or maybe a couple times, it doesn't have the same oomph. I mean, you've done it. You've kind of nailed it. You've put it in your bag. So as, as a poet for me, I know I always want to be giving something new because there's going to be people that are, came to the last one that came to the, that come to the next one. I feel like I can, you know, show some new stuff, right? There's been months in between.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Nice. And
1: it's a really nice, it's um it's like a it's a great motivator. It's a really good motivator to be like, yeah, I want to show off something new that I just made. How something d- fresh. Mm.
0: How do you get over maybe like first time anxiety? Because if you try anything new, like the first time you're always mm. worried. How do you make that step of I guess just doing it?
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the ultimate question, right? Yeah. Um for me, I, there's two parts. One is that I allow myself, prepare myself um, that I'm going to do it wrong. And then I to- that's totally acceptable and expected. And not in a way of I'm already going to fail so I can just let it be shite. I'm, I, yes, can that's I so so. <laughs> Curse I away, like, do, you curse want away to, do you want me to curse? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that's one releasing myself of any sort of expectation of like it has to be anything. That's that's one. And then the second is is just simply just do it. So it's not like um, okay I'll do it tonight after. It's like you have to, I have ten minutes right now. Try do the first mark if I'm if it's a painting technique or if it's whatever. Just do it literally right now. Because I don't know about you, but for my brain, often if I don't do it right now <laughs> yep. Yep. It, it will float away yeah. and disappear <laughs> are, you, are
0: you familiar with mel robbins
1: yeah uh i think she, she's
0: kind of i don't actually know her role but i guess she's in like the self-help community oh, and usually no. i find that quite cheesy okay. but she has a five four three two one rule okay which as, as you do no, yeah, as you do it save you you know have a decision to make yeah five four three Two, one. The backwards means that you're about to do something. So you've trained your brain to do it rather than one, two, three, four, five. Mm. And then you just do it. Yeah. And rather than, because me, oh, I am the chief procrastinator, Alicia. You got it. Lord, God. I mean, if, for example, something needed to be done at 6 p.m., it can be three months, years even later. And I'm still like, oh, I'll do it one day. One day never comes. <laughs> just do A really good piece of advice, I think, which I found is do the smallest possible thing right now. Yeah. Right now. To help you get to that next step. And just keep doing those tiny, tiny things over time, compound them, and you'll get somewhere.
1: It's all about the baby steps. The baby steps. (laughs) It's all about the baby steps. And it kills the
0: overthinking. Like, I can imagine if you said to me, right, if you said to me, Connor, in two weeks, come and do some comedy I'd be like (laughs) yeah sure okay I'll write routines I I wouldn't do jack shit but if you said Connor there's an audience there in 15 minutes think of comedy I'd think, shit I'd I'd get to work so sometimes it could be a nice pressure
1: yeah because we all as a human thing we adapt to the time that is given to us that is just and then I think maybe perhaps on like some other scale of how mentally stable you are is like how much of that time you use effectively, yeah, yeah. right? Versus like, maybe it's the last four hours, like me. Or like, you have two weeks and you use two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: why I feel like deadlines, you might have a different view. I feel mm. like deadlines are important, or it's essential you know, actually. it's essential, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah.
1: absolutely mission critical. You have to. You, you asked a question earlier about, you know, how do you just, that fear of doing it the first time. The answer to that question is teeny tiny baby steps. That is how you get over that. I'm afraid to do it right now. What part can you do right now?
0: I can completely agree. Completely (laughs) empathize. And I'll use this podcast as an example. Uh. For two and a half years, I was thinking about starting a podcast every day. And I'd listen to so many and think that was research for my own. Procrastinating like crazy, yeah. and then one day just thought. But the excuses were so huge. I made a mountain of excuses. I've not got sponsors. I've not got celebrity guests. I've not got equipment. I've not got, <laughs> got a studio. I made every excuse, and then one day I just thought, "Right, hey, we'll start with what you do have. I have a phone. I have Zoom. I have a mic. There's someone I met in a bar wants to chat. Let's go. And we put that together. It. Did it. Yeah. Thirty minutes. I thought,
1: <laughs> "You now. I've done it. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly, yeah, yeah. and
0: then the momentum went, and yeah. then three hundred episodes in a year." So I do have that bit where it's so hard to get me started, but once I go, I'm like a tornado, (laughs) just completely go. So yeah, I love the fact we've touched upon this topic of often just doing it, Mm. just doing the tiniest thing possible. Mm. Absolutely key. Can I ask you, going Mm. back to what we talked about with novelty, now it Mm. is important to try new things. Mm. Why specifically is is your medium spoken poetry?
1: Why? Uh, I've, I've always been a writer, I guess. I've always been a lover of words. Oh, ever since I was a little kid, you know, I would write, you know, essays and stuff and stories that would be recognized in school and stuff like that. Um, I guess I just always loved them. I've always connected to them. I've kept diaries forever and journals, you know. I have, my mom has Tublewares of E- journals, skin, spirals from when I was you know a kid um so I, I can't I don't know what I don't have an answer to why because it just is um but but now uh, as of in the last 10 years or whatever I guess I've realized that it's it isn't uh, that I should use my talent for good you know that I really I love it enough and that I want to share it and that um and poetry has a bit of this stigma, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't sound very cool to go to a poetry night. Spoken word has this whole connotation. People picture certain things and stereotypes and sounds and cadence. And mm. and that's that's just what it is. But uh, I've never really been one to like accept or subscribe to... Uh, a norm or a label I guess and what I mean by that is you know I can call myself a poet and like allow understand that people will will kind of think of a certain right, thing when yeah, I say yeah. that but like let me be the example that it's it can be way cooler than what you're probably thinking of <laughs> yeah.
0: here's, what, here's what I'm thinking this is kind of unrelated I will get back to spoken yeah. with poetry more specifically but mm. it, it was something I meant to touch on earlier Please. which is is it important or not to be good?
1: Mm. I think that's kind of up to you. I, I think it's mostly important to if you love it, if you enjoy it. So for art, is specifically about how it makes the well, the num- the priority of it is how it makes the maker feel. They're they're making that art because they need to get something that's inside of them, outside of them, and whatever medium that may be. Um, so, it, does it have to be good? No, not really. Not at all. I don't. I mean, because it can be, and to one person it can be amazing, or to a thousand people it can be amazing, or to nobody except for the artist, you know, where yeah. they could even think it's shite. And the love, or the, the beauty in that is because sometimes the ugliness is, you know, it, it just loops it around, know you know. You mean, as soon yeah. as it gets ugly enough, it's beautiful again. So, like yeah
0: it's made it's made me think that in the last two years especially we've all needed something whatever that may be to kind of release ourselves from insanity and if that is for example let's use an example i'm if i draw i can't draw like i am shy to drawing i'll use the word but i don't if i enjoy it that's perfectly fine if that takes you out that headspace and you enjoy it who gives a shit
1: yeah i mean there's so there's that one half is the making and then there's another half of displaying or sharing or performing or whatever and in that sense also does it have to be good I don't think so I think because good is completely subjective right and so it's more about is the artist fulfilling some part of their practice in performing in sharing even maybe what they consider bad art or you know whatever Uh, if it would be normally generally categorized that way by whatever Whoever. whatever, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Means. whatever, whatever source, that means whatever that means because there's something really beautiful about like uh you know performative art that has aspects of it's bad but part of it being bad is yeah and when i say bad you know air quotes the hell out of it because
0: yeah cuz yeah, sort of yeah, like, yeah what yeah. does that mean? That like the worst thing that happens to you can also be the best. It just yeah. depends how you reframe and define it. Yeah, if, yeah. if
1: it's doing something for the artist practice, if it's you know, kind of wrapped into their point of view and how they're sharing it and making some commentary for them. Fucking cool. <laughs> then you've looped back to it's beautiful again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. as soon as you understand as soon as you understand anything more, right? it becomes a little bit beautiful, right? Gross stuff, even. I, uh, what would be an example? I don't know, just things that can, are d- default, uh, you know, gross or complicated or annoying or mm-hmm. whatever, if you think about them or understand them or whatever, if you dissect, you know, a, a sp- fucking splashed ice cream on the floor, it might look fucking gorgeous, you know what I mean? <laughs> the way that it's, like, lit, lit, uh, hit, hit, uh, lit by the light.
0: Yeah, <laughs> beauty in the eye of the beholder, is what they say. Yeah,
1: something like that.
0: How do you feel when you're about to do a spoken word poetry performance? Uh,
1: I feel um, high. <laughs> I feel uh, I get a bit sweaty, in the sweaty in the palms when I... Like, you know, start to feel nervous, but I also get really excited. Really, really, really excited. Elated, you know, like, um, yeah, floaty. Yeah, yeah, and afterwards, more so than that, I I adore it. You know, there's some part of me and anybody that performs that feeds off of that energy, energy exchange that you get with the audience. And it's not a bad thing, you know, I like being able to be on stage and share something that I wrote something that's like super duper duper vulnerable
0: absolutely yeah I I like it do you go there with your vulnerability like do you put it all out there with the poems
1: I if you've ever heard me I you um, I think you would agree I think you would probably describe it that way as well they're hyper emotional and because they're hyper vulnerable I, I'm trying to think of this quote my friend described my poetry in a way that was absolutely perfect and it was um, it was great and I wish I could remember it right now maybe I'll, I'll pull it out on my yeah, phone it's no so so good but it's my poetry is really sad I think because it's hyper intimate um, it's also wrapped in riddles you know it's' um, it's only really going to make sense to me, right? There's going to be layers and layers and layers and layers of meaning where I'm talking about a specific person at a specific time in a specific moment, but you won't know that. Yeah. No, I've <laughs> yeah. thought that
0: when I've consumed art in the last few years, as I've gotten older, yeah. I'm like, oh, who's he talking about there? Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I think, Whoa. My
1: poetry is absolute. I am talking about distinct, specific moments, people, interactions. Very distinct little things that people who are listening to the poem were a part of, but it is wrapped in enough rhyme that it's, I like to think a bit undecipherable. Mm. I don't know. I have this, you know, thought that if anybody can decipher them, they really get me you know what i mean right okay that's like the test yeah, yeah i don't know and that,
0: i guess that's this is opening up and leading nicely to the mm. comeback section of the mm. show which is coming back from adversity like it's not what happens to you it's how you react the comeback beats the setback any challenges then alicia if you don't mind me asking you what are some of the main challenges you've navigated to date?
1: Mm. this could be
0: personal professional mm.
1: whatever comes to mind main challenges um. <laughs> I can think. Well, if this is—it's not a main one. It's just one that's silly. Um, I—I I definitely have felt. I don't want to. You have this be my whole answer, but um, because I guess it's not a main challenge. I don't want that to be my my answer. Um. I, my own brain, my own mental health. Yeah, definitely. Um, my biggest antagonist <laughs> is me, <laughs> is me and my own brain and my own mental health and keeping on top of my, keeping myself stable and keeping myself grounded, straight up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for and sure. Do you
0: have any main techniques that you use
1: to navigate? Yeah, yeah, writing is one, writing yes. is huge for me, uh, you know, it untangles my brain, The uh, another one is, is really the basics, but um, forcing myself to sleep, you know, I'm one of those people that doesn't have the best relationship with sleep, forcing myself to sleep, drinking lots of water, um, and having a smidgen of a routine. Routine is a really bad word, or I deflect when I hear that (laughs) word, but, um, having a smidgen of a routine, and, like, for me, it includes waking up, the, i the phone doesn't get touched until i brush my teeth, wash my face, start the coffee, water all my plants. And i have like a grip of plants, so it takes about 20 minutes to do that and then have the cup of coffee. And that if i can do that in the day like where it's gravy trains, you right, know what i okay, mean? Like i up. i it already just that little bit of like placebo endorphin rush yeah. of like i did something i'm taking care of myself in this tiny 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 little 20 minute routine um is important absolutely yeah half an hour routine yeah.
0: yeah it's like why the and it was very small but why the navy seals make their bed just because you've done that one act at the beginning of the day to set the tone.
1: sure yeah. sure yeah. your mind
0: know your subconscious especially that you're in control you've got this you're ready
1: Something like that. It it helps like kind of set the tone, or it makes me feel, allows me to be more gracious. Allows it gives me a moment to be, try to be grounded to like think about life before I put a screen in front of my eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. Um, just doing t- a tiny thing for me and like feeling gracious about that. And like, yeah. okay, I have twenty minutes to just put on music or whatever I do. Yeah, get into yeah. that state of mind. Get into that funk. Yeah.
0: Which reminds me, then, if we're talking about getting into the state of mind mm. and uh, perhaps a funk, a groove, whatever word you want to use to describe it, what influences you? Like, do you take inspiration for your art from
1: anywhere? Or? Literally everywhere. My mo- my my kind of current most favorite source of inspiration is um, what I've dubbed spontaneous collaborative poems, <laughs> which I is just tickles me Uh, because it's when you have a conversation with somebody or just an exchange and you accidentally rhyme or say something really nice you know just in conversation and I go that's it that was one that was a short spontaneous collaborative poem and sometimes I write them down and um, sometimes they don't sometimes they just are but I my biggest inspirations are absolutely conversations that I have with people I I brought my book today I haven't opened it up. Is to keep notes. So I often keep notes from people's conversations and take quotes and things. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I can take inspiration from, and I do. You know, like yeah, something sure. that looks visually beautiful becomes a metaphor for beauty, right? Mm. Anything of what that could be—the two water bottles on the desk, or like you know the clippings wall, like anything. Yeah, this this is a metaphor for something, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah
1: but i really like the short spontaneous collaborative poems.
0: Really Are your friends and like, the people closest to you fully aware of this?
1: Some of them i've made aware um, they they just giggle about it cuz it's like, you know, it's just a little joke that'll be funny for 10 minutes or something and it's only funny to me longer than that, but uh, the ones of who the one time i posted one like a, a text exchange with some friends with a group text and i said guys go look at this and i <laughs> i blacked out the names but like the words in themselves you know oh right wow <laughs>
0: yeah Damn, yeah that ability to spot where language is coming from and how it can synchronize well any
1: yeah i mean anything as a line can be a line in a poem right and i am obsessed with rhyming and and i'm obsessed with rhyming and pattern and rhyme scheme and uh, I have poems about how I'm obsessed with rhyming. And so when you ac- when you have an exchange with somebody and you do an accidental rhyme or you feed into it, I, that fucking tickles me. So why not capture that, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is funny. Today, uh, during the lunch break, my colleague would just recite a poem to me. Which he doesn't usually do, and there's a reason which I can't say on here. Yeah. But he... You know, recited it randomly, yeah. and I haven't you know looked into poetry for months and months at mm. I'll be honest with you, it's not something that I would usually lean towards. Sure. But having that twice in a day now, I mean, I know I did invite you, but I wasn't familiar with the spoken poetry. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, okay, that's another synchronicity that I might you know use for. The yeah, the universe into is it.
1: doing something. Yeah.
0: Is <laughs> <It's> going. <laughs> it is. So. And then both of the things we've discussed: so your your artistry mm. and then your advertising marketing. How do you combine the two nowadays?
1: Um, well, currently my, my day job is I do um, marketing for a local business in Taodian. Um, so that's how I make my rent money, if you will. Uh, in term, and, and I also, I'm, I'm trying, I guess, I'm in a season where I'd like to move away from that. I've done that for, I did that at my last job. It was in a similar sort of, or a different but similar sort of role and et cetera, kind of back through a couple jobs. And unless the client, the topic, the industry, whatever that you are, you know, working for or in effort of, if you're not in line with it, if you, if it doesn't, you know, tickle you in some way, I'm not interested anymore. So I'm trying to figure out some other stuff. Doing some freelance gigs, some painting, like, uh, you know, freelance painting jobs, freelance design jobs um throwing these events um yeah we'll see there's going to be other stuff in the future but the advertising and marketing is is it's it's there and it can be really really interesting but Mm. i think that it's going to be in more of my past than in my future
0: okay cool Mm. and we are going to talk about your future towards the end of the conversation Mm. But before that, I've not actually asked you how you ended
1: up in Vietnam. Mm. Can you tell me more? Yeah, that's is that's a good segue into the, the last bit. So um, I, my old company, my old uh, job, uh, moved me over here. So I had a job. I was working for this uh, software company in Portland, Oregon, and um, running a software team for them and doing project management. And they announced that they wanted to open an office in Ho Chi Minh City. And six months prior, I had come here to visit for the first time just on a vacation and really fell in love with it. It was one of the places when I came back where I was like, oh, I could live in Saigon. Like I, I really liked it. Yeah. So when I heard in this meeting that they, you know, were going to open an office, I walked from that meeting straight and followed my boss into his office and said, what do I got to do? I want the job. Send me over there. And then, in I think two months later, I was packed up and on my way here. How long ago was this? I moved. I Valentine's Day, like almost, Whoa. like almost literally, yeah. Because I I think I left on Valentine's Day and I arrived on the fifteenth. Mm. So it's can't I didn't even put the two and two together. Two thousand nineteen.
0: Happy anniversary. Yeah. Three so three years. years. Yeah. And have you left Vietnam during that period?
1: Yeah. I so when I got. You know, when I kind of accepted that job offer to have them move me over here and help them start the office, I said, yes, and you have. I'm going to have to come back to Portland from July, like the end, of, middle of July through the beginning of September because I was in two weddings. Mm. Two of my best friends were getting married, and I had been asked to be in the wedding parties, so I was like, yes, I want the job. But you have to come back, and you have to, like, do the flight back and forth. <laughs> Damn, <right? laughs> yeah, and so I did. So luckily, um, I got to go back, and so I was there until first couple of days of September. Right, cool and then and then that was the last time so it's been over two years i was gonna say (laughs) when i asked
0: you that i thought i'm trying to think of the window i asked you like have you gone back and i'm thinking well it wasn't after march 2020 exactly exactly
1: it was i did get to go back like six months after i first came so that wasn't that long but then after that no um i am now planning to go back july august is the goal go back for a couple months
0: if you go towards the end of july the start of august Primarily 30th of July, that will be my three year anniversary. Mm. So currently, you are a few months ahead of me. Just a little bit ahead. Just a little bit ahead. Slightly. How would you describe your experience?
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. I have had an absolute ball. I mean, um, I've had an absolute ball, and, you know, it takes some getting time, getting used to a new city let alone uh, for you know an international city let alone a city in the east when I'm from the west yeah yeah so uh, let alone a city where I don't speak enough of the language <laughs> <laughs> that's my
0: main what's the word yeah. um, Achilles heel the fact that I've I've always never like set long-term on Vietnam, to yeah. be honest with you. Like, I yeah. love it here. Absolutely love it. But there's always something in the back of my mind saying, not forever. Yeah. So as a result of that, I'm very, very it's lazy. just a big
1: excuse. I'm
0: very lazy and go, no, I'm not learning the language. And now it's two and a half years in. Mm. It's absolutely at the most basic level, and I'm embarrassed. Yeah. It's hit me in a you know Now I have more Vietnamese friends. I think, Connor, you need to really book your ideas up. But I'm thinking, maybe do I leave in
1: June or the next June?
0: I I bet whatever so, I should just do it.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, a little bit, a, a little bit of open minded. In my experience, at least being open minded to trying to pick up a few more things and being more mindful because mine is also very rudimentary. But like, I at least am trying a little bit and like stringing yeah. a few things together and talking to my local, you know, vendors and stuff. Like, yeah, trying yeah. to have a banter, not a banter, but at least have a, an exchange. Because I've lived here for three fucking years, so like we should, and yeah. not only that, but it makes it makes my time better, and it's gonna make things more fun. It makes yeah, every definitely. exchange more. It makes every exchange more enjoyable. You know, so we're only benefiting ourselves, let alone everybody else. <laughs> it
0: hit me the. Uh, I used to. To a point, I, I never I always did like connect and I always did interact with like say more locals, mm-hmm. but I did realize I was still a bit too expat orientated. Where I used to look at people, for example, who would stick to their own country, I mm. and I think why you can meet people from all over the world mm. here, and why are you in this small? This is I don't know too much. This is the first time I've moved abroad, but I'm sure there aren't too many cities like this, you know, with everyone from all over the world. Mm.
1: There absolutely are. There's a handful of them. I mean, London's in a gigantic to international this level, city, though. New York is an international city. I you're they're gonna be this diverse, but the distribution is gonna be far different, right? Like, um, but there's definitely highly international cities. Like uh, Dubai is incredibly multi international. Right. Obviously it skews to different demographics and especially, you know, uh, economics, but as far as the mix of different from people from literally everywhere, yeah. Right, okay. There's There's the other big ones Maybe I sure. need more
0: traveling today. Yeah. I guess. Have...
1: First time abroad, that's exciting. Yeah. Is this and your first time abroad? No, no. Um. The first time I, I was always obsessed with the idea of going abroad. I always said I was going to do it, you know, always, always, always. Um, and so, after college, I had kind of a plan that just, I said it enough times until it kind of became real. I, I ended up Selling everything, um, selling my car, breaking up with my boyfriend, breaking my lease, like, uh, and moving away for a year, and I backpacked for a year, and uh, I did, okay, okay. I did, um, it was split up a little funny, I did, like, four months in Brazil, six months in Europe, and then another two months in Brazil. A, oh, wow. And yeah, <laughs> wow. I have, I am from, my mom is from Brazil. Right, that makes um, sense. Um, so why I have family there, so I was yeah. spending time with them, and then backpacking in, in Europe and, um. Western Europe and
0: right, okay. the UK. Yeah, see, I haven't really done backpacking. I just, I've been abroad, it's into, like, visit countries, but never mm. to live. And mm. then, you know, well, these are all in Europe. And then just when I was 21, so took the deep end, it was like, let's move to Vietnam, other side of the world. And Yeah. I
1: feel, I feel
0: like if I've done two and a half years here, I should be okay. But then other cultures will bring other challenges as well.
1: It, I mean, absolutely, of course, of course. And that's what I meant. Like, every city comes with its own kind of set of annoyances and, like, headaches, you know, and and Saigon has its own very particular, you know, make you want to tear your hair out (laughs) sort of moments. Um, and every city will have its own brand of that. Yeah. But there is like very real, I, and I believe mission critical learning from taking yourself out of a comfortable environment and putting yourself in a challenging environment. And whether that be in a, you know, a different country than your own or a place that they don't speak the the same language or a place where you don't have friends or anything, but just challenging yourself to do something else. I mean, it's immense. It's immense. I feel like you can almost tell people who have never been through those sorts of experiences because you, you have to be like radically self-reliant, you know, and compassionate and graceful to yourself at the same time because it, it, shit will get hard and annoying and frustrating. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's also like outstandingly good when it's good, when you stumble upon, you find some little back alley stand or whatever, some food cafe, something that you are obsessed with and it's super cheap and, oh my God, how do people not know that this is here and it's amazing and you have an exchange with the owner and they love you and they give you a free thing and it's like... You have a new best friend. As well. You know what I mean? And that happens all the time every week. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's the thing. I realised that if I lived back at home in Manchester, I'd experience the same thing every week. And I can tell you, even though it's been two and a half years, I know what's going on at home. Like, Mm. I can tell you who's in what pub. I can tell you who's in what shop. And that's where I'm thinking, like, I'm here. Something different's going to happen every week. Not always going to like it, but, Mm. you know, it's not Mm. my country. It's not Mm. my city. Get used to it. So having that mindset, you know, is pretty handy. Knowing that you are in this midst of change, but it's still wonderful to experience. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a huge, huge adventure because you're meeting new people. You, we can be as like social and and outgoing as we want to be here, right? Because there's shit on all the time. There's always something to be doing. So it's, you get to turn the knob on that, you know? And it's exciting when you, it goes both ways, but it's really exciting. That's why we're still here, right? There is a
0: reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I keep saying to myself, oh, not too much longer, but it's been two and a half years. It'll probably be another. I mean,
1: I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that, like, <laughs> that is, you know, the first the first words of a story from somebody who's, like, celebrating their seventh anniversary yeah. or something. Is like, oh, it was only supposed to be a couple months. You'd be it so surprised. It was only supposed <laughs> to be here. Yeah. And then, like, eight years later. <laughs> right.
0: It can happen. It can happen. Yeah. And with that, then, what? What's the main lesson you've learned about yourself, Alicia, from coming abroad? Now, I know that's so deep and broad. From coming
1: abroad. Yeah, v- um, Vietnam specifically. The, the biggest lesson that I got here, it was patience or like re-lesson or reminder or whatever. But the biggest thing was patience and to trust my gut. Um, and those are sound like such simple things. But, you know, when you have a brain that is working against you a lot and going a thousand miles a minute... Um, patience and letting things go and um, like letting things kind of roll off of you, right? So if you own a motorbike in Saigon and you drive, there are a handful of issues that come with that all the time. But if you let those things ruin your day or be like even annoying, it's unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Like it can, it can be annoying or it can just be okay I'll just have a cigarette <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it looks like I'll have a coffee now no problem <laughs> yeah. I,
0: at the start I remember I'd get stuck on the side of the road because it'd be lashing it down you know the monsoons yeah. and then I oh, this is a pain and I think got a choice now I can either moan and whinge for the next 15 yeah. minutes that's not going to change the weather in well Asia said, you said. know what I mean yeah just it's sit not going to change it. the yeah. weather I will, I, will be in, I will be in a different you know part of the world one day and I'll think yeah the weather won't change you take out your book.
1: I am. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna quote you on that if you don't mind. Oh, I would be honored. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I would be honored. You have to take any of them, as you can see. I like to journal. <laughs> That's
1: good. Yeah. It's. It was nice to remember that this is um, almost the anniversary of me coming here three years.
0: Yeah. Are you quite introspective? Would you say?
1: Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I would. I think. Um, one thing at a time. Yeah, I will let you write the word. Okay, perfect. Um, I think I'm incredibly introspective. I think that I'm incredibly outgoing and extroverted, but um, in terms of which one skews more, introspective. I mean, my brain is, I'm overthinking and, like, untangling and retangling things all the time. Over and over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, I'm very similar. And I guess we are coming towards the end of the, mm. like, Vietnam chat. And I do have Vietnamese quick-fire questions that I ask every guest towards the end. Great. So okay, they're let's, coming up. Yeah. But I guess, you know, coming to the end, Alicia, what would you like to achieve going forward then? I know that you are perhaps wrapping up your Vietnam journey. This can be related to your, your marketing or your freelance or your spoken word poetry, your travel, whatever you wish. What would you like to achieve perhaps a year from now?
1: Um, It's definitely time to make the next step in in my... Yeah career or career journey, if you will, or you know, however, whatever that path is going to look like. I have been afforded a lot of time and space and um, mentally and physically here because of how, you know, because all the reasons Vietnam is wonderful and it's easy to live here. Um, But it's definitely time to kind of make the next move in terms of what I'm going to do long term. So whether that means a program somewhere or not being in not being in vietnam anymore or doing some of the things i'm doing here on a larger scale um it could be any of those i need to figure that out
0: <laughs> okay i love it yeah. alicia i've loved this but before we wrap up yeah. vietnam quickfires are you ready
1: yes 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 yes. the last the last thing i want to say is if you're available february 26th um 7 p.m Saturday night come out to Selma um for some original art for poetry music comedy uh some movement visual arts it's gonna be a really fun night it's a free event you don't wanna miss it love the plug <laughs> Might interrupt. okay let's go but, questions number
0: one if you could change one thing about Vietnam what would it be ah uh, this is something we've alluded to yeah.
1: change one thing
0: yeah
1: oh I love all the things here um I guess, I guess less smoking, because like everybody smokes, <laughs> including me, I am, you know, I have, you know, enjoy a little bit, but too much, right, less, okay. less, 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 less.
0: I thought you were going to say traffic pollution, because most guests say that.
1: Uh, no, I mean, but part of being in true, Saigon yeah, and part yeah, of Vietnam yeah. is the driving. I that mean, true, like, yeah. my favorite thing in the city is my fucking motorcycle, you know, Same, like, yeah. That's part of it here. Of course I want less pollution, but we got to figure that out worldwide, not just in Saigon.
0: <laughs> Very good answer. Very good answer. You're good at this podcasting, so come on more. <laughs> Number two, it's uh, if you could live in one place in Vietnam that's not Saigon, where would you live and why?
1: Mm, that's not Saigon. Um, I'm, I am really interested to, to spend more time in Hanoi as I've only spent like handfuls of time there. Um, I just, just because I visited recently, I'll say it. I just visited Hue recently for the first time and it was amazing. Um, I'm not even really a big, like, I, I like old, I like old shit and I like ruins and monuments and mausoleums and palaces and this and that. But like, Hue was really fucking cool. I was, I dug the vibe a lot. And another one is Queen Yang. Yeah, I'm sure again. I'm not saying that right, yeah, but yeah. it's on the coast and that place is superb chef's kiss. It's lovely, right? Yeah.
0: Final question. If you could take one celebrity, famous, public figure, bring them to Saigon, Vietnam for a day, who would you bring and what would you do with them?
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> and what would I do with them? Well, as, it, as in, you know, do you
0: go to Soma? Yeah, do yeah, Do you yeah, yeah, yeah. go to a coffee shop?
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, if I could bring one somebody here like for whatever reason um maybe i would bring in like a, a really good dj like and fly, there, fly them in for a party and throw a party and have an event which dj are we talking? oh gosh um honestly maybe some of my favorites from home some like small portland oh, okay, time cool. people cool. yeah maybe double duty i get to see them too all right cool but yeah like an international name would be really fun to bring in, like um, Bob Moses or yeah, yeah. Um, Solomon or some yeah. shit. I know, I know Oliver <laughs> Haldons was here like two years ago, yeah, Revolution, yeah. and for some reason that
0: day I didn't go. I'm a bit mm. annoyed now because you know, music stopped after that. Yeah. And I've not seen a live gig since geez, a long time. I had tickets to see Green Day in Bangkok in March 2020, so guess why That didn't happen.
1: Are they but still doing the the um, this tour?
0: American Idiot. No, no. But
1: no, no. I thought they just did it. Oh, they did it a couple times.
0: Uh, not American. They have like a, they had their last album was Father of All Motherfuckers, and it's mm-hmm. got the American Idiot logo on it. But it's got a unicorn, and
1: I don't mm. know what they, I don't
0: know what they're doing in the studio. But they've kind of mixed it all up a bit. But, I just, yeah. yeah, never mind No worries <laughs>
1: Alicia,
0: uh, you've given, I feel like you've given your final message with the plug but do you have one final thing?
1: Yeah, no, the, the, the message is the, is the plug Is I really, I, I'd love for people to come out and enjoy it's, it's a really fun, special night We decorate it up There's fairy lights and lots of people And um, it feels special and it feels nice And it's really fun to share work with you I enjoy reading poetry And this is my favourite stage to do it on so far So, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun.
0: I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. And in the future, you're always welcome back, you know. Before you leave Vietnam, it'd be great to have around too.
1: Fantastic. I'll come plug the next event. Hopefully it's bigger. (laughs)
0: Look forward to it. Alicia, take care. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye.